Hey, the following will be the first official blackout takeover of the music podcast Pepe and Ibra. I'm Paul. I'm Alicia. And we're co-hosts from the Vicarious Podcast, a podcast by Black creators about society, culture, anime, and everything in between. For those just tuning in for the first time, Pepe and Ibra is a podcast about music and creativity. But for this episode, Black creators such as myself and Alicia are taking it over in honor of Juneteenth. Today, we'll be discussing two powerful women singers, Billie Holiday and Nina Simone. This episode is both an audio and video visual podcast. So look at the show notes to see the link to the YouTube video when it's released. Out of respect for the subject matter, there will be no ads. The topics discussed will mention racial violence, domestic violence against women of color. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. If you like today's conversation, follow our podcast, The Vicarious Podcast. We're streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Follow us on Instagram at The Vicarious Podcast, as well as on Twitter at The VIP. Now, without further ado, here's our conversation about Billie Holiday and Nina Simone, named Strange Fruit. Juneteenth, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, Liberation Day, and Emancipation Day, is a holiday celebrating the emancipation of those who had been enslaved in the United States. But for this holiday, we're specifically talking about the enslaved people of Texas at the time, where even though Abraham Lincoln had already signed the Emancipation Proclamation that had went into effect on January 1st, 1863, most enslaved people in Texas did not know of the end of the Civil War, as well as the Emancipation Proclamation until June 19th, 1865, when a Union Army general came and proclaimed the freedom of all enslaved people in Texas. Question, uh, just throwing this out there, does your company celebrate Juneteenth? My company? Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, the professional is I'm not sure. I don't think that they do. However, even though it's a Saturday, if it would be on a working day, I would take the day off. Okay. So I um so I did a poll before this and I asked a couple of my friends like, okay, one, do you celebrate Juneteenth? Two, does your company incorporate into their holiday schedule? And three, do you know the background of it? Now I wasn't just asked I was majority of the people I was asking were of course black Americans, mm -hmm. but so I was noticing that a lot of Black Americans, they don't celebrate Juneteenth. And a lot of the reasoning behind that was because Juneteenth felt like it was more or less just singling out the Black slaves that were in Texas, because it really only encompasses slaves that were the enslaved people that were freed in Texas during that period of time. So a lot of people from like Georgia and South Carolina, as well as D.C., they said, well, D.C., they have their own day that they celebrate the freedom of slaves. It's Freedom Day, and I believe it's in September. You know, I, I we can look it up and I can mm -hmm. check it later on. But I just I noticed that um, Juneteenth is more like a Texas thing. So um, if you know Solange, who is a sister of Beyonce, she has a song regarding Juneteenth. And I was like, why did she write a song about Juneteenth? But it's just remember that they are also coming from Texas. So I was like, maybe it's more of like a right. Texas kind of pride situation, more so than a black pride situation. 
But you see, when it's spoken about, it doesn't refer to, and it, Texas isn't referenced at all when Juneteenth comes up. Um, the only thing spoken about it is just that Black people were free. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that Juneteenth it was you know, specific to or direct directed towards text like slaves in Texas. I don't think people knew that or know that, honestly. Um, listening, watching this episode, it'll probably be um, some people's first time actually knowing that it was referenced towards Texas and not other um, Southern states. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would agree with that also. And the yeah. thing is, I felt like Juneteenth, like as a child, I because I was growing up, I lived in Texas. So we celebrated Juneteenth when I was growing up. But then I spoke to a lot of people. They said, oh, well, I never really celebrated. And they was like, how do you celebrate it? Like, there's no real true protocol to celebrating. Like, for example, my family. Oh, sorry. Alicia, what's your family? Um, I'm... <laughs> I didn't know about Juneteenth until I was an adult. Like literally, like I like seriously, I had no idea because first of all, it's not part of any curriculum that any mandatory curriculum. Um, it was just research on my own. Like I saw it on social media, honestly, and then I did, you know, my due diligence to research it and see what it was about to make sure that, you know, because anybody could put anything on social media, but like, oh, this is a real thing. Um, and it, then it put into a perspective of, you know, am I just going to outright just not celebrate Fourth of July because I wasn't free? Or am I going to, you know, think about my country and then separate it and think about like my, my heritage and things of that nature. And then if I'm thinking about my heritage, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know where my heritage comes from. Like if I'm talking about my immediate, you know, bloodline, like we're in Georgia, but like, do I have any entities that we were in Texas when, you know, we were enslaved, which is a whole nother topic on black, black people not knowing their own actual history. So, I mean, in regards to that, I didn't know. I didn't know about Juneteenth when I was younger. Um, I don't think my parents knew about it either. So... I, don't, I mean, as of right now, I mean, I, how would you celebrate it? Would you make it like for the July type, like barbecue celebration? Like, do you stand in solidarity? Do you protest? Not protest, but like, do you walk the streets? You, do I wear all black? Like, what do I do? So for my family, so we celebrate it. And how we were celebrating pre previously, we would have low country boils. So Amen. my family's from the low low country of South Carolina. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with um, Gullah Gullah Island, this TV show that was out of the 90s. So they're on um, Geechee. Gullah so Gullah my Island. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I didn't know because I don't think a lot of people remember that show. So there was a show. I remember that Island. orange, yellow. He's yellow. That yellow toad, frog, whatever, amphibian. Correct. Yes. Yeah, the amphibian. <laughs> so um, yeah, Gullah Gullah Island was a show, and it really it was the first show I can remember that really showed black yes. culture. But they didn't. They weren't trying. They it did it in a fun and yet educational yes. way. But in that, you also learned about like um your heritage natural hair all kinds of things yes. so when we were kids we would do like low country boils which is um if you've never done it before uh, it's, it's very popular actually now so you get like um 
You get sausage. Uh, usually we do blue crab, but I've noticed a lot of people use crab legs nowadays. Um, sausage, potatoes, crab legs, shrimp. What else? Um, what else? What else? You put an egg in there? Do you put an egg? <laughs> Put some egg, put egg in clam, <laughs> mussels. So there's a big old seafood pot. You get a large pot and you put um seafood in there and you season it, Old Bay seasoning sometimes or your own homemade seasoning. And we would just cook it. And then after you pour it out, you put onto a large table spread and we would just all kind of gather around the table and eat it. I mean, I haven't done that in years now. I haven't done that since, um, what, 2017? But I just... Yeah. I always think about that. That what Juneteenth represents to me. It's like the 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 family, the aspect of family and togetherness. Because mm-hmm. I always think when I think of Juneteenth, even though a lot of people say, Oh, well it's, it's a Texas thing, I think, oh no, because you know, Martin Luther King he said we're not all until all of us are free, none of us are free. So I always think about that. It's like that encompasses that all of us became one that day. Well, I want to say all of us became one that day. They're still, you know, equality and, and, and other issues in the U.S. <laughs> but besides that, I felt like that was a point where we 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 became second class citizens. Like I don't want to, we so we became human. We became we, yeah. Instead of being referred to as property, all people in the U.S. became were considered human. That was the first step in human rights for the U.S. Correct. So, um, so reason we, today I decided to, well, we decided as a podcast to choose strange fruit as a topic because we wanted to go over, as you know, uh, we're, we're up, um, well, as this podcast is being recorded, we haven't reached it yet, but we're coming up to the, uh, the murder of George Floyd. And a lot of times when we consider it, we consider it murder, but then when we think of murder, we never think of lynching. I don't know, Elisha, could you give like a background on lynching, this word? So lynching, the the act of it is um, hanging a, a body from a tree using rope. Um, so it, it, it was very predominant back in um, civil rights time frame. Um, so basically a, a group of people um, with a mob a mob would take um rope and they would hang bodies from trees by their necks um several maybe one two they would just hang the bodies um it's not necessarily like if you want to it's not the same but in in comparison you could say it's like um when you uh, hang someone. So if you've watched a show and they put the the rope around someone's neck and they like drop it, like they kick a, a, a stool from underneath them or they remove a board from underneath and they drop, the point of that is to, um, to break their neck. It's not to strangle them, it's to break their neck. Lynching is kind of like that, but there are different ways you, the, the person could already be dead. Um, and they just hang them up by their necks, um, by the noose is what it look is what it's like. Um, they, they could already be dead. They could hang the person up while they were alive. Um, there are different ways that that trauma, that torture was inflicted upon black people at that time. So that's what lynching is short version. So 
So that's more or less the kind of ideology I grew up thinking of lynching. So the act of lynching is you hang somebody, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the like the definition of lynching more or less is mob violence or a mob or a person or persons um, act out justice without going through the judicial process, right? So when I initially when I think of lynching, I think of black bodies hanging. This kind of song, which also encompasses the um, song. I have a question. It also encompasses. Sorry, go for it. I, I apologize. I wasn't trying to cut you off. So that definition itself is that like uh, like Webster like a dictionary dic the uh, definition. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, so lynching lynching isn't about hanging. Lynching is anytime you t uh, you take out justice without going through judicial process. So lynching could be like I kill. Sorry. Oh no no no. So that that's the part that that little pin right there is taking out justice because the mob themselves. How are they to determine what's justice or what's justified? I guess that's yeah, the part so to me that's like how is that you, I'm taking upon justice and it's just like is it justice or is it a hate crime? Sorry, let me rephrase. It. Mob justice. Mob justice gotcha. is like okay. we is, we ought to. Yeah, that's what I just said. Mob justice. So it's when a group, a person, or persons take out mob justice, or they an act of punishment to upon a person. Correct. Yeah. So when the George Floyd summer occurred last year, I was I, I call it the Black Lives Matter summer, but I was just it it made me so angry. Like I was so yeah. angry because of it because it was like. You sit there and you watch somebody just like their life get taken away. And, you know, yeah. they're saying like, oh, <laughs> it was like the police. Oh, well, he had um, if he had cooperated, oh, if he did his job, this kind of thing. So I think like, OK, the police are there to protect you. But it's also like, are the police really there to protect you? And I don't I don't want to have this whole kind of narrative on this podcast regarding like, oh, all police are bad. But it's just like in that instance where I saw it, I was like, I didn't feel like I was being protected in my own country. Right. So when right. I was um, last mm -hmm. year, that was when I felt like there was such an energy behind the whole Black Lives Matter movement where people were they were speaking about yeah. like um, George Floyd, um, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, John Crawford, the third Mike Brown, um, Breonna Taylor. Model. I think the list goes on. The list goes on for years. Mm -hmm. And I always considered them the cases or this person. We, we put a name on it, but we never say that it's a lynching. Right. So the reason that right. I chose Strange Fruit was because I wanted to bring the attention that even though after this song, um, after almost what Billie Holiday was born in, what, 19, I believe it was 1909 or 1929, even after all these years, the her her song still reigns evident like this song, even though she didn't write it, it was written by Abel Maripol. We'll go into him in a second. But his poem still it still rings today in our society and we st we it, it still feels like a song still needs to be sung today it's still relevant and the point has not it's relevant it's the relevant. point hasn't been brought across yet yeah yeah um so, yeah. i think that lynching itself is still um they haven't signed off on it to make it illegal um, or it, they, they, I think that they're trying to make it a bill, but they just won't pass it. Something along those lines. And it's just, I mean, I agree um, with, I will say that when George Floyd was murdered, I, that wasn't the part where I was fed up. I was well fed up 
past that. I think like when Tamar Rice was murdered um, and then the response of his murderer is what really, you know, kind of got me. And then like how it just was just repetitive and over and over again. And uh, yeah, I was pretty upset about that. And you're absolutely right. I definitely feel like Strange Fruit is still relevant. It, it's like when I watched the movie, the Billie Holiday movie, um, it gave a perspective of her life as a musician and the things that she went through. But it also gave me a different perspective of her song because I had never heard of the song prior to watching her, uh, watching that movie and researching. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of it. Um, uh, I feel like um, for with Strange Fruit, though, like for me personally, I knew the song and it's, it's, it's weird. I know also, but I knew the song through Kanye West because Kanye West actually sampled it. I want to say on the 2013 black uh, Yeezus, this album, he sampled yeah, it. I didn't, watch, and I didn't listen to that. That's probably why. There you go. But he, he sampled it, but he didn't sample the whole song. He just sampled Blood on the Leaves from the Nina Simone's cover. And mm-hmm. so when I heard, I, I always quote that line all the time, but the whole time I'm quoting it, I never knew what I was saying. You know, like sometimes we get these little gems from the past and because we don't do research, our own due diligence, we end up, I like ignore the fact what they were talking about. And even though to right. this day, like till now, this bill that was actually brought up in Congress and um, the Senate and House back in 1922, 1922, my grandfather wasn't even born yet. They already put this bill in and this bill to this day has not mm-hmm. passed yet. So there's um there's actually been a I bill, don't. an anti, yeah. uh, anti-hate bill for um, hate crimes bill regarding lynching. And it's been going on from 1922 mm-hmm. till now and it's still waiting. And I believe last summer it was brought mm-hmm. up one more time for into the House, but they they decided not to go along with it this time because they felt like um it was too harsh and it gave too much um immunity it didn't give enough protection to police officers when it comes to um protection when it comes to immunity so that's why it got set aside again um this last round last summer after the whole um protests that were going on for you know black lives and so, which is very interesting that the, the that the focus or the reason that they spoke on um, them not wanting to pass the bill is for the sake of police officers, which by your term is mob justice. So, wouldn't a mob who is doing unjustice, you know, doing illegal activity, doing hate crimes, wouldn't the protectors come to aid that person. What does lynching have to do with police officers? That's my question towards that. <laughs> it, it, I mean, honestly, I mean, obviously I'm not asking you, but that yeah, yeah, when, when that, when, when, when I hear that and when I thought about it and when I looked at it and it's like, what? I don't, I don't understand that. It, it just, it's like, it's a puzzle piece and it's just like, it's not going. To, it's not fitting. They're not going together. It's not going it together. Um, it, th- those two things don't correlate together. And uh, watching that movie and like li- like when you watch the movie, a lot of that that movie is about Billie Holiday's um, struggle with the police and her own personal um, personal life. And then the the struggle and the 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 
the pushback on the song itself and then you finally hear the song and it was really like hearing the song was very um it hurt my feelings i will say it definitely hurt my feelings mm. when i heard it and i it for the life of me i just could not understand like why were the police trying so hard not to let this woman sing a song like sing a song it wasn't like she was in the front rallying trying to you know create mobs and 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 you know it it wasn't a song that was like you know upbeat and and it provoked it, it it was just her speaking on that injustice and it was just so strange to me no pun intended that they just did not want her to sing the song like what was the problem like i don't understand the, the thing, like that was a part thing also with the song oh Oh, sorry, I'm interrupting you. My bad. No, <laughs> but go ahead. I was trying to say no, go thing, ahead. this thing with the. Oh, sorry. The, the, the thing with the song, she never actually says lynching. Lynching's not in the words of the song at all. There's no. There's not a word. Yeah, of it's, it's not. But a lot of times, yeah. the FBI. Yeah, lynching's not in the song at all. So a lot of people are like, oh, when you hear the song, it's supposed to incite. But when the U.S. government heard the song, it's like, oh, it's inciting riots. So this, the, what. This topic also is speaking on is how more or less Billie Holiday started the civil rights movement. It was a black woman who kind of ignited the civil rights movement. You know, she was born in Jim Crow South. She was a daughter of, um, you know, a brothel worker. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pro, we're pro sex, pro prostitute on this on our the Vicarious podcast. Pro so we're not worker. going to grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going to degrade women for whatever hustle they have, but. Billie Holiday, from childhood, she had already been given a short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. She'd already suffered. And growing up in Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure she saw a lot of other issues because at that period of time, it was during the Great Migration, where a lot of, um, during the Jim Crow era, a lot of Black families moved up north and moved out west to avoid the Jim Crow-style laws that were, you know, like the usual, the daily in the South. This is a listener question from Paul Kibble. And he puts out, if one of you could share a brief biographical sketch of Abe Maripol, the composer and a lifelong political activist, and discuss what inspired him to write the poem that he later turned into a song. So, more or less, when this song was first written by Abel Maripol, he, um, Maripol, he's a Jewish American, oh, sorry, a Jewish Russian who, um, he was born in the Bronx, New York. And he wrote this song after, sorry, it was actually a poem called Bitter Fruit. Sorry, I have to put that out there. It was one of the questions, actually. It was actually a song called Bitter Fruit. And when he wrote this song, I'm sorry, when he wrote this poem, he was, um, it was in regards to a lynching that he saw that happened in Indiana in the 1930s. And it was, um, he saw, because at that period of time, which to this day, I don't understand the appeal of it, they would take photos after a lynching had occurred and they would make them into postcards mm-hmm. and send them around like memorabilia. Yeah. And I, I don't really understand the, the, the appeal of that. But during that period of time, I believe he received one of those um, postcards. And when he saw it, it, it ignited something in him where he decided to write about the lynchings that were going on in the South at that period of time. Yeah, that, I mean, I agree because for the life of me, I would never understand why one people would send that out, do it first of all, then take pictures of it, then send it around 
I mean, I understand why they're proud of it and they want to, they want to show it because, you know, when you have a baby, what do you do? You take a picture of it and you send it around, you put, put on social media and things of that nature. But when, and they were proud of what they had done. Um, It also reminds me of like back in like medieval times when there was a beheading like people would come mm. and just watch people get killed. And when I first went, cause you know, when I was younger, that's when I started like getting into history and I would watch them like, why in the world would anybody gather to watch someone die? Like that, that has to be the worst thing in the world to watch someone die, to watch someone strangle to death, watch someone's neck snap and like watch the life like i i've I've never watched the george floyd video because i for the i can't i can't do it i cannot watch Mm. someone die like purposefully like if it happens accidental or something like that like okay but like it seems awful so I can only and imagine they, how they, he felt yeah. when he, you know, it, it just ignited him, like you said, to write this poem. And the thing about it is I feel like, um, okay, so him writing this poem, let's say it wasn't, he wrote it in 1930 mm-hmm. and then the whole movement going on in the 2020s, it's like, um, it's kind of like history repeating itself in the way that that photograph pushed him to write this song that went against anti-lynching while we have um, like Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick or these different artists who are making songs today, even like rap artists and singers rap- making songs today, like um, her, H-E-R. And after seeing this video of George Floyd, it kind of gives the same kind of idea where how you, you can kind of feel like where Abel Maripol felt regarding that... Um, like lynching and the the act of it, whereas the the inhumanity of it, and they we speak about it through right. our art. And we have a question from Laura Valle. So one of the questions that I, yes. I um I saw and I really like this question was um when I think of Nina and Billy, I think of pain transferred into vocal music. Do you think that it's the main emotional? element that makes it so universal appealing and relatable even for people so distant in racial or economic struggles and i i think adding on to that instead of just saying racial and economic you would also have to think mental struggles because a lot of times we ignore the fact that both of these women had gone through trauma in their lives whether it's nina simone going through bipolar disorder or the, the the different sexual harassments and drug abuse that um, or drug addiction that Billie Holiday herself went through through her life. Right. So right. do you think Absolutely. that, well, let's, let's speak on soul. We're going to speak on soul for a second. Do you think that these kind of artists like Nina Simone, Billie Holiday, they're, the reason that their voices were so strong and still to this day are, are mean something is because they sang through their trauma. Do you think trauma is something that we need or the trauma is the point that we use to express ourselves? And that's what kind of, I guess, I don't want to say it's it's the black community because anyone can have soul. But do you think that the trauma is what pushes our our voices or the black community's voices? That's an that that's kind of a tough question, honestly, um, because it kind of leads into black pain which is like a topic or a subject in itself um that is very controversial right now um i would say that for artists 
of any type of artist, whether it's music or like you paint or you sculpt or anything like that. Um, artists for sure, creators, creatives, uh, move off of what's internal, like what they feel. Um, I think when you're a creative, you you pull from what's inside of you and then you make it into something that's visual or audio. What's the word? Aud- auditory? Is that the word? There it is. Um, so um, from within, within, and those two women just happen to have gone through very traumatic things. Um, as far as for like Black people, I would say that... Um, Black people in general, not just like Black Americans, um, have gone are are going through have gone through a lot, and I think what they do is take hurt and pain and they turn it into something that they can make it beautiful instead of maybe sitting and and just being traumatized and and dwelling in hurt negativity they've turned that in something beautiful to where they can express that and they don't have to like you know like whenever if if you've ever like for example like if I'm upset I, I talk it out to myself or my dog and he's a great listener but like I talk it I talk it out I verbalize it and that's my way of getting it out an artist's way for even if they're happy, like, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be pain. Um, they just, they, they create something. They're like, this is, I'm expressing that, you know, and misery does bring people together. Um, I mean, cause that's something that they can relate to in itself. I'm not saying that's the best thing to bring fellowship on pain, but Yeah. The, the thing also with um so like with this song when i think about it i always think about how the fbi that, that's why it's the movie i don't know if everyone saw this movie it's called the united states versus billy holiday it's a biopic so i won't say it's a spoiler if i put anything out there the information's been there wikipedia is your friend so the fbi was so uh, adamant at stopping her from singing this song and it's almost like they were adamant at stopping her from her voice it's yeah. like Jay-Z says, I don't, what I think Jay-Z's quote is, I don't want to cry, so I'm going to make this song cry. That song was her way of crying and letting out this pain that she felt. Because when right. um when Billy wrote the, the, when she helped, like, compose the music to the song, she said it reminded her of her father and what her father went through. So it was her way of letting out that pain. And... In, in the end, it actually derailed her career, but she still wanted to sing that song. It, it derailed her career. It led her to become have a target on her back, like many other artists. And during that period of time, she she more or less took she she took the the brunt of the force of the United States just because of this one particular song. And it also it ties mm-hmm. into Nina Simone because Nina Simone, after her recording of the song, she got blacklisted. Lena Simone, like her career also yeah. got derailed from this song because even though she came along a lot later on, she was in the, she became along in the midst of the civil rights movement and the black liberation movement in the late 1950, uh, late early 1960s to the seventies, the black liberation movement, it damaged her career. She said like, after singing that song, she like, they, they stopped playing her record. They stopped selling her record. They wouldn't play it on the radio. Both of these women lost so much for the sake of trying to just just have a an inch 
of what we call civil rights. And the thing that always right. bothers me, like we started today's topic talking about Juneteenth, the Civil War, mm -hmm. and we're talking right now about the civil rights. Anytime when it comes with black people, especially in history with the U.S., it always has to do with civil. But then they get angry when there's always civil unrest because we're not receiving those civil rights that we're supposed to have had a long time ago. So every, I don't know, the, the, the song moves me in that sense. So, um, um, I think can, uh, as far as yeah. like with the government, the FBI and things of like, like that, um, and what you speak on as far as like, they're talking about civil keyword civil, but basically the, the government is not being civil and their approach to, um, mute, minimize, um, push back and erase these artists is that these artists that these are, artists. Uh, artists there it is jesus um that are speaking out on, <laughs> that are speaking out on you know the injustice that they see which they see that the world knows about but they're just trying to be quiet about it because it's something that is controlled by the government because it benefits the government in itself and i mean it doesn't make sense that they reacted the way they did. Like it blew my mind how they were reacting towards Billie Holiday and even blacklisting um, Nina because it's just like it's a song. That that was my whole thing. I was like, it's a song, seriously. But when you are combating or you are up against irrational behavior, behavior. And you're trying to meet it with rational, rational thoughts and 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 movements and actions. It always will just clash because, like, you can't you can't combat irrational with rational. It just you can't if you're doing this. It's it's just not. It, it, they just won't. And I, that's what I had to remind myself because, like, I was really aggravated looking at that just because. I was like, dang, I'm looking back at something that happened such a long time ago and it's still going on right now, like with several different artists now, athletes and things like that, how entities are trying to like shut them up more or less. The powers that be. Yeah, the powers right? that be are trying to shut them up so they don't, <laughs> I just, it it's very discouraging sometimes. And I think that as a creative feeling discouraged, the way to speak on, like let your own emotion out and also speak to other people who feel discouraged. Cause I feel like when you're creative, you're a little more sensitive. I wouldn't say like all creatives are sensitive, but like when you're artistic and you're creative, you tend to feel things differently. And I think that like, for example, like Nina and Billy, they felt something and they felt compelled to speak on it because they probably knew that other people felt that way as well and didn't have an outlet. Maybe they weren't creative. So like, listen, this is how I feel. I know you guys feel the same way. Let me give you your own outlet. You know, let me speak to the masses, you know, to create a a space or something that just like you know what this isn't right and maybe they use their platform to speak on it which will motivate someone else who would have the means or the intelligence to move forward to get the civil rights movement moving forward so black people people of color brown people can get justice 
Mm, I like that. Yeah. So we can go into the another question that I saw. Mm -hmm. And this one was very interesting. This is kind of like, this is a what if question. Okay. Um, so what would have happened if Nina Simone had been granted a scholarship to pursue classical music studies? So um, hmm. what what would the world have missed? And do you think she was able to appreciate was able to appreciate or understand the special destiny that made her an icon and role model for people of her generation and beyond? I really like that question. You can go ahead and answer it first. OK, then. So Billy Hall, sorry, not Billy Holly. So Nina Simone, she originally was supposed to get a, uh, a scholarship. But in the end, she was denied a scholarship due to the fact that she was black hmm. and because of this, she started singing in bars and um, she started going by the name Nina Simone to, you know, because her mother was having, because, you know, she's a church singer. You know, mm -hmm. we have all these different, like Aretha, Whitney, Nina Simone. The black voice is from the church. The black church always leads us. So at that period of time, she, um, she was playing in her church as a child and they saw that she was a musical prodigy, but because of, you know, the Jim Crow era and where she's from North Carolina, she probably didn't have the, the, mm -hmm. the economic resources to go and study or further her studies and um, being a pianist because originally she wanted to be the, I believe it was mm -hmm. the first black classical pianist to perform in. Oh, what was it? Cambridge? No, um, Carnegie Hall. I think she wanted to be the first black classical pianist to perform in Carnegie Hall. I'll check that and make sure. Cause I don't want to give the wrong impression. Either way, she's an amazing woman. Oh, yes, it was Carnegie Hall. She wanted to be the first black woman pianist to play in Carnegie Hall. But due to the fact, um, due to the fact of her economic situation, she ended up singing in bars, which led her to be uh, being found and became Nina Simone, the prolific singer we know today. So when I think about this kind of question, I think of... Um, well, we've uh, this one topic that's been coming up the last two to three years, representation. Representation has been a big, it's a big word that we use now in the world. So when we mm -hmm. see like um, Barack Obama, the first black president, uh, Kamala Harris, the first, first black as well as Southeast Asian vice president, as well as woman, you know, representation matters. So mm -hmm. I would say like if her, for her to become the first black classically trained pianist to perform at the Carnegie Hall, that would have been a big deal on its own. She would have made her own lane Absolutely. either way. And I, and I feel like, yeah. um, I don't know if you, you believe this as well, but I feel like our destiny is already written in stone. Like what's, what's going to happen will happen. Mm -hmm. So no matter if you think that, right. oh, because she didn't go this route or that route, that this would have changed them. I feel like if we had a route that was already predestined, it's going to play out either way. Either way, Nina Simone would have been, right. her voice would have been heard and it would have been prolific. It would have, it would have had the same impact today as it had if she had just became, you know, if the world was right or the world was civil and they had given her the opportunity that she deserved and she would have became right. big in the classical music world. Cause even like her performing, I was watching some of her old videos and I was like, this woman is mm -hmm. talented. She's just, it's like her hands are moving and her brain is moving and they're two separate. I like it's separate. It's completely separate. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's yeah. just like, I was watching her um, performance of this song for women. And I feel like for women, there's one, one of the women in the song, I kept thinking, is she talking about Billie Holiday? Because it's talking about a lighter skinned woman with long hair. And it's supposed to talk about the plight mm -hmm. of black women in this country. So I, I, that, that song really resonates with me. But when she's performing it, there's so mm -hmm. much power not only in her fingers, but in her voice at the same time. And I, you hear it and it gives totally. you chills. So sometimes I'll 
play it and I'm in my yeah. car and I'm said, okay, I'm going to sit here and let the song finish playing before I like turn off my car because right. it's, it's such an amazing song. For Sorry. Sure. Yeah. I'll yeah. Build... No. Why are you apologizing? Um, Nina, she was, she was a powerful singer. It's just like, first of all, I am always impressed by people who can sing and play the piano at the same time. Like that is a talent within itself. Like both skills are immaculate but putting them together i'm always just super impressed like you already won with me but like her voice is just very it's always like strong voiced like she just mm, it's just like ooh, it, it feels like collard greens with a side of field peas every time she sings and i love it um you know what also really quick sorry i also gotta give out this like a shout out to joanna joanna because she's a guitarist as well as sings at the same yes. time so you know there's talent there as well so See, you know yeah already one in my book because like fingers and singing and then you get the because like that is because it's two different things working out man it's that pinky would kill me so big ups to you <laughs> um but i just i love her voice and i i, I agree i think that it's like, do you think that it would have been different? And it's like, Nina is already big to me, you know, like she, she's, she's already wildly known. She's still a great artist. She's still up there, you know? I mean, could she have gotten there quicker and, and been bigger? I mean, I suppose so. But to me, I feel like she's already a, a huge and wildly wide, wild, wide, What's wrong with me today? Widely think that I'm going to go with that known artist. And I think that her, her art and the, her, her work, her quotes are wildly known, widely known. I'm going to stop saying that word. And I, I, I admire her, uh, not only just for her, her voice, but just her strength um, also that, that representation comes from like her being diagnosed with, was it bipolar disorder and, um, Correct. De yeah. depression disorder. And, depre and depression as well. Um, it speaks on another representation that black people also have mental health issues as well. Um, and it's not just them acting out or being crazy and things like that. And that the fact that she is this great artist but she also dealt with something so serious is like hey when you're, you're speaking on representation because especially with creatives you know like you need that representation especially as a black person or a person of color like because a lot of times when like when I was growing up that representation was not there like for for for, for classic you know classical it was yeah, and and even with um, for example, we we um we 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 know about our history today because we hear about Elvis Presley, for example, going into music. We hear about Elvis Presley being the king of rock, but then you have like Elvis Presley. A lot of his songs came from black artists, and a lot of times it's not widely known that these songs were from black artists. A lot yeah. of dance moves, yeah. a lot of the the most famous dance moves like the twist and like Hound Dog. All these come from black artists, and mm -hmm. some of the black women a black woman created the song you know ain't nothing but a hound dog yeah but we what happens a lot of times is these names get taken out of history or they get removed from history and yeah. um 
you know, a white artist or a white creative, not saying anything's wrong with them because I'm pretty sure they didn't think they're, they're not stealing a song. They're just re-singing the song, but, um, they get the representation there. So we're thinking it's like they kind of remove the black essence out of that song. And it's, we, I don't know. These don't, it's like, we say, um, for example, like, Oh, I built this building. And then a person's came, I built that building. And then my name gets put onto the building. It's like you lose that, like, oh, well, I'm the one who created this thing. I'm the creator of it. And it's sometimes that identity gets lost from the song. So um, I know we're speaking about Strange Fruit, but um, another song that I thought was really important. And there's a song that Miss um, Nina Simone wrote called Mississippi Goddamn. And it was after a civil rights leader and as well as um, four girls in um, um, Miss, uh, Mobile, Mississippi. They, um, they died in a church bombing. And every time mm-hmm. I think about these cases, the girls, they're like my, my dad's age. So, you know, I, I think about mm-hmm. these kind of situations, like my dad was alive during this time. So it's not like it was a long time ago. This was in my parents' yeah. lifetime that we had these kind of things. Exactly. So, yeah, that was just a generation I, ago. It was a generation ago. And then you always go back yeah. and like, man, I can't believe that. Like, like she wrote this song and this is one of the songs that got her blacklisted. And uh-huh. when it comes to like uh, Billy, as well as Nina Simone, the, the issues that they faced within their personal lives, it, it, it kind of reflects through their songs. A lot of their songs, like they spoke about trauma, a lot of trauma Absolutely. went into a lot of their songs. Like, of course, their bigger songs are usually their happier songs, mm-hmm. but songs like strange fruit and, um, Mississippi goddamn I feel like these I don't want to say it represents them but it like it, it represents their trauma and their trauma is not only trauma for them but it's a trauma for a lot of black women and women of color in our country to this day I mean I think that they were talking about current events like what you do a lot of times um with artists in general and not necessarily just um black artists but just all over throughout time one thing that you do is you speak on or you talk about you create what is going on in your time right now i mean even if you're going back to hieroglyphics if you're going back to sculptures and things of that nature you're going to go off of what you see in front of you like what's going on right now and what was going on with billy and nina is like they were they they were killing us. They were they were they were hunting us. They were preying on black people, you know. And they were going to speak on that. I'm sure that if everything was rainbows and unicorns, they would probably be talking about cupcakes. But that that wasn't what was going on at that time. What was going on at that time was, you know, injustices. The the civil rights movement movement. Excuse me. Um, getting started, you know, moving forward, um, speaking out on it because it's just like you, you people get so fed up. It's just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, like we, we gotta do something about it, you know? And maybe they felt like the nicest way that I could do this is to just make it a song. Cause a song isn't going to hurt anybody, but lo and behold, the government mm. felt differently. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's what's going and, and as well as to what you're saying, too, you know, they had trauma, like we said, and they, they speak on it. They spoke on it. Um, and, and that's what came from. Uh, it also was just like, that's what was going on. I mean, like, for example, mm-hmm. like our podcast, what do we we have current event episodes? You know, they talk about music that's going on right now. So. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, so I feel like one thing that was very strong or what was really a strong presence within both of these women's life was their um, I would say their their pro sexuality, their sexual consciousness towards life itself. We have a question from Joanna Glass. So based on what you know about them and their values about black women in music, what do you think Billie Holiday, Miss Miss Holiday, and Nina would think about the song WAP? Now, if you don't know WAP, WAP is a song that released in 2020 by Cardi B featuring Meg Thee Stallion. Um, it stands for um, WAP. That's what it stands for. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm <gasps> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not 12. Okay. So, um <laughs> what do I think that Billy and Nina would would think about WAP? Um I think that they would feel I think they would feel different ways about it. I think Billy would be pro WAP. You know, I, I I honestly think that she would not necessarily because of what she came through, went through, but I just her deme her demeanor, her songs, and you know her her overall like um, personality, how she presented herself to the public. So whenever I think about artists, especially um, ones that are that have large platforms i always think that there there are two sides to them there's a, a side that they present to the public and that then they have their true selves especially when you have a large platform and you don't want to get swept up into it i don't know i'm you know i'm not a, a huge artist but that's what i think you know i'm not saying that all artists aren't themselves but the the person that Billy presented herself to the public that we know about, I think that she would be pro WAP. Nina, no. <laughs> Nina quoted that she didn't like rap. That she 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 didn't like it. She literally said that that she did not like rap. So the fact that it's from female rappers in itself, I don't think that she would have liked it. And then also. I don't think that the, just the, not necessarily the lyrics, but just the, 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 the genre of music is not, I don't think that was Miss, Miss, Miss Simone. Well, let's, beat. let's switch it up then. Let's say, let, let's pretend that WAP was a classical song or WAP was a, um, a poem or something. Do you think that Nina could accept it was like. Certified freak, seven days a week. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Do you think that Nina will probably be able to accept? Let's remove rap. Okay, let's say that she had an issue with the genre itself. Yeah. Let's remove rap from the equation. Do you think she yeah. will accept it then? I think that she would probably be a little bit more accepting of it. Um, Nina didn't seem like prudish to me. Um, I think that she would have generally felt okay with the genre um but i don't know like something in me is telling me that nina just wasn't wouldn't be okay with it i, I, I feel like what happens i feel like yeah. she would think oh, that it's it's tasteless i think what happens a lot of times when it comes to music is we tend to we think that 
raunchiness or dirty lyrics are a new thing, but they've been in our music for years. Absolutely. Like, um, I don't know if this film that um, another uh, amazing black woman artist, uh, Ma Rainey, oh. I don't know if you saw oh, you, this movie. You know I did. Her lyrics, yeah, her lyrics were actually kind of like, Filthy. she was I'm, not <laughs> filthy, <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's always been there because, you know, like sexuality is this it's one of the it's one of the only few things that a lot of times during that period of time that black people could control was their sexuality right sexuality is is, is a part of human life but we tend to take it away where when um when black culture mixes sexuality is a part of the culture is in our hips is how we move is in our hair all of it goes into our bodies maybe you're not um maybe you could present yourself as prudish but at the end of the day sexuality is a part of you and Nina simone you know she she got it in like (laughs) all these artists they they also they put sexual they they had their sexual tension in their lyrics maybe she wasn't as open with it as billy or ma rainey but um each of them had their way of using their sexuality and i just feel like um we have to i i as a listener i try to take wap as a okay this is this i don't want to say the song of the times but I don't want to say that either. WAP is a very interesting song, and I'm for women empowerment. It doesn't mean women empowerment doesn't mean that you have to say you know wet ass anything, but women empowerment means mm-hmm. that you have the choice to say that. I so I believe that Nina Simone, her one thing was what is freedom because you cannot describe freedom. Freedom's undescribable right. because indescribable because when you like you can't. Freedom is what you make it. Freedom is able to express myself. Freedom is me being able to live my life without having restraints from whether it be the government, another race, or uh, a, a man. All these different entities, they don't control me. And I feel like Nina and Billy, they, they had this idea that this is how the life of a woman should be. I shouldn't be constrained because I'm a woman. I should be constrained because my economic class or because I'm black or because either I have a sickness or I have an addiction. These things should not just encompass my story and be my story I should be free to represent myself no matter what way or how I feel to represent myself because Nina her fits like Nina and Billy their outfits were amazing like I was watching like oh these women were dressing 50 years ago 80 years ago these women were dressing and I was like they it was I don't know it was classic but yet still there was sexuality in like their outfits I just loved it so much yeah um I mean I agree and I think that um I the only thing that I would maybe I don't want to say that I disagree on but when it comes to like black people and as far as like our style our music or anything that we put out I wouldn't say that there's like sexuality in it because I think that because of that that's what got people to uh sexualize black people um and put you know for example like hypersexualized children and things like that or make it seem like younger black people are like children, black children are like adults, like, or or something like that. So I wouldn't say like what we do is sexualized, but when it's time to speak on things that are sexual, it's okay to be open about it because being sexually liberated for being a man or a woman is not wrong at all. That's, that's what you're supposed to do 
supposed to do. Um, I wouldn't say it's what you're supposed to do <laughs> because if that's not your cup of tea, you don't have to drink it. But you know, se- sexual liberation is is empowerment in itself, and I think that it takes you know courage to do that, especially now, um, back then, and, and at any time because you know you're always met with. Ooh, and oh my god i can't believe you said that and it's just like why mm. you know why <laughs> it's completely natural so um you're right and i i wouldn't say now that you put it in that perspective i don't feel like nina would be like absolutely opposed to it i think that she would probably say something along the lines of like okay well you know i see that these young women are you know expressing themselves now again she might not get jiggy with the rap portion i said jiggy she wouldn't she may not actually you know <laughs> deal with like the rap portion of it but you know just she would probably support two black women well cardi's not black she would probably support women um speaking on and being empowered by however they feel the need to express their empowerment I like that. I like that a lot. And I always think about um, Aretha Franklin when they were asking her about different modern artists today. Because Aretha Franklin is around the time also with like Nina Simone. She's from that era. Mm-hmm. And I always think about this when um, they asked her, so what do you think about uh, Taylor Swift? And she was like, beautiful outfits. <laughs> you know? So I would just think about like, maybe that's how Nina Simone would have approached that maybe. with um wop she's like oh well the, the moves were nice you know or something like that i, I mean you really yeah, can't yeah. give a, a impression of what a person would have thought of a certain thing with them not being here you know as well as hmm. you know music music changes per generation even this maybe the wording is different but the meaning is still the same like there's there's you know nothing changes with life life will always be a constant of life and death so sexuality no matter how you word it is still sex point blank amen period. yes well not amen okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have another question which is do you think all black artists today have the responsibility to speak about black lives matter black trauma either in their social media or art would you as a black person respect them less or more? Do black people in the public eye have a greater responsibility to represent? You want me to go for it or do you want to go for it? Um, we can both give our take. So do you, it depends on you want to go first or not. I, I, I went first. You read it. I spoke last time. So you can answer it. Okay, then. So what do I think? So... <laughs> I personally so I'll give an example of a case where I, the person did it the wrong way the two cases actually so two big artists especially in the hip hop community right now are ASAP Rocky okay. as well as oh ASAP Rocky as well as Lil Wayne Ooh, so I knew you were going to say Lil Wayne <laughs> I knew it so back when the original Black Lives Matter uh, uh, movement started um asap rocky he was doing an interview and he was like oh i don't know about any of that i don't know what that is going on like both of them more or less distanced themselves from the black lives matter movement right because 
Um, more or less, ASAP Rocky's intention behind it was like, well, I'm rich, you know, it doesn't impact me. Right. Like, I don't see this, I don't deal with the same plight yeah. as what the, I guess, the common black person deals with. Mm-hmm. And Little Wayne more or less was on the same lines as that. But then, as you saw right after they spoke on these, well, more or less, Little Wayne spoke on it, but I believe. What was- happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so ASAP Rocky's case, ASAP Rocky went to, I believe it was in Sweden or Norway. He got arrested for it was, assault. I think it was Sweden. It was Sweden. Sweden. He got arrested for yeah. assault. And at that hmm. period of time, and what happened? No, what happened? Nobody was going to, all, <laughs> black people were like, well, you don't care about our problems. Why should we care about freeing you? You're, you're right. like, we, so we disassociated them from the, the society because when um yeah. we have moments like see that's also the thing though so we can go back in the day let's talk about Martin Luther King for example um Martin Luther King mm-hmm. the, at the time of his death his popularity was really really low he was unpopular in the U.S. they thought he wasn't necessary because shit I'm so, oh, not the shit the stuff that he spoke about during the um the Vietnam War and he was considered mm-hmm. a socialist and he was considered like a race monger and all these different things and he wasn't popular at the time but he spoke mm-hmm. on it and look at him today he's remembered in history like oh wait he was one of the people who like spearheaded the civil rights bill and civil rights movement you know yeah. So we look at today, we have artists like Colin Kaepernick. Um, sorry, Colin Kaepernick is like an artist. Colin Kaepernick, her, these different artists. And I want to say I appreciate the artists that spoke about Black Lives Matter prior to June 2020. It's like when it, June 2020 hit, you couldn't really distinguish between is this a trend for you or do you right. actually see the plight of black people? So like LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, all these different artists, they spoke on it way earlier than June 20th. And I was like, I appreciate artists like that because I'm like, okay, you actually do see the plight that the, the black community goes through in this country, as well as when I saw even right. other people, white and um, other people of color, when they also were... Um, we're speaking on these different events where it's like, hey, there's black children being shot, there's black women not being protected, there's black men being killed in the street, and there's right. no there's no true like punishment or no one's actually being punished for these kind of crimes that are going to are happening. So I right. think that in the right. public eye, they I want to say when you see something going on that you know is not right it is your duty to use your platform you can say oh well this couldn't like no matter i don't want to say nina simone and billy holiday they even though they knew they would be punished for it they still use their platform to i guess progress their communities and not even not doesn't always have to even be your community i don't want to say black artists because i feel like a lot of times we tend to say black artists need to do this the black community needs to do this but i feel like as a person in general no matter if you're black or asian or white you if you see a group of people going through any oppression whether it be the black community jewish palestinians um xinjiang region of china we should always speak on those kind of like civil rights issues, human rights issues, because as at, at the end of right. the day, we're all humans. We're all one group. It doesn't matter. Like you, the dissected, right. no matter what you want, we all look the same on the inside. Right. Okay. Boom. Cool. Boom. Um, I like that. That <laughs> two booms. Okay. So, do I feel like um. <clears throat> I'm, I don't want to say that I'm on the fence on this one. I appreciate. I agree with you on 
people, but where we're talking about um, black artists and black creatives um, and their response. I agree with you when saying that I appreciate black artists who have large platforms speaking on injustices that happened prior to 2020, because you're absolutely right. It did seem like a big trend. Everyone had a black square and they were holding up their fists and everything like that. Um, So I agree with you on that one. It definitely was a photo op. Um, I don't think that I, (laughs) I was thinking about Lil Wayne because Lil Wayne said, I'm not black, I'm rich. And it's like, what? And a lot of times, a lot of his fans were just like, oh, well, he said that because a police officer saved his life. And it's like, oh, a police officer did his job. Okay. Um, But, you know, not taking away from what that police officer did, because, you know, that's great. You know, you saved a life, a life, excuse me. Um, I don't necessarily look for artists with big platforms to speak on injustice, I don't ever think that is an expectation of an artist to do that. Because what they present to themselves, what they do, if you're a a comedian, if you sing, if you sculpt, if you paint or anything like that, that is what you do. I'm not saying that's all you should do and the only thing that you should paint, but the expectation that they should speak on that That's not their job. They're not the news. They are not a politician. It's not what they do. They didn't go to school for it. They didn't study for it. That's not what they do. If they do that and they are, they're properly researched and they speak on it and they provide like backups or a work cited page or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like no name. She's very, very, very deep into doing that. Um, I, I appreciate it, but I never expect it, you know? So I don't look down on an artist because they don't do that. Now, if they take the time to show their behind and, and, and show that they're not trying to u- unify with the black community, like ASAP Rocky and, and Lil Wayne did, then it's like, you could have just said nothing. And you could have still had support. But now you're showing how you, you're like, oh, I don't care about Black Lives Matter. They ain't got nothing to do with me. But then you wanted Black people to rally for you when you were in another country, you know? So it, it, And I also, I'm sorry, I want to add to that list Kanye West because, so Lil Wayne and Kanye West have both sampled Nina Simone's songs. Hmm. You know, they, they've sampled Strange Fruit and they've sampled um, Misunderstood and yet they still didn't want to speak on the plight right. of like black people. So yeah. it, always, it always kind of bothers me. Like you use this artist and you know who this artist represent, but you went and took, used their music I don't think and they knew. construed it. I don't think that they took you the think- time to look into the history of it. I think that they just heard the song. And honestly, I don't even think that they did that. They had a producer who heard that song and they thought, oh, I could put this into a beat. And they presented that beat to the artist and the artist was like, oh yeah, that's fire. I'll do something with that. I don't think that either one of them- Kanye West is a producer though. I mean- He produced that song. I still don't think that he took the time to look into the history, to be honest with you. I don't think he did. I mean, I, I will give it to Kanye, especially like college dropout, like that era. I loved Kanye back then. Um, and like his samples were fire, 
like hellish hot. Um, but I don't think that he at this time would look into the history behind it. I think that it would just be like, I think this sounds nice, so I'm going to do it. But regardless of that, when you take the time to stand out, and especially when you know you have a large platform and speak against something, against unity, again, my whole thing is like, you could have just said nothing and you could have been fine, but you wanted to do this, why? And I show your ass. But I think maybe it's just because I have so many followers, I have so much money, people are still going to support me, which they do. I mean, like Little Wayne said, you know, he, you know, gave the black community his middle finger. And if he dropped the album right now, it would probably be number one within the end of next week. So, (laughs) but again, I don't expect that. Um, for example, like I think about like Amanda Seals, I love her. Um, she speaks on how like a lot of times she gets a lot of DMs and people are telling her about all of the the injustices that are happening all around the world and why are you not speaking on this and why are you not speaking on that and why are you not and why are you not? She was like, Hey, I am not the news. It's not my job to speak about every awful miserable thing that happens in the world like there will always be misery and and woe not saying that's good but it's it's always gonna be there and to expect that a person who came out as i sing and i dance or i I tell jokes or i paint or this is what i do and to say along with you taking the time to put your heart and soul into your work i need you to you know also dedicate your time give dedicate your time to the injustices and speak on that because let's be realistic real come on words let's be realistic about that thinking about that speaking on that looking at it is mentally exhausting and it can put you in a place of depression which can affect their own work in itself so that's why i say i don't look at people with large platforms like artists to speak on that if they do then cool and and if you're you're giving out proper information i'm definitely with it but i never expect it from them and also if they do speak on it i'm never going to be like aren't you a comedian like just tell jokes i'm not going to do that because it i hate when people do that i hate when they say just you know what what did the lady tell lebron's even though he's not an artist Oh, Ingram, yeah. uh, the one from Fox News. She said, yeah. uh, you're a basketball player. Just shoot the ball yeah, or something. just shoot the ball. Just dance. Just just go dance. Just go tell jokes. Just go sing a song. And it's just like, I can use my platform to speak on things as well. That's the thing also. That's one of the, our, my closing thought about it. Mm-hmm. So in the movie United States versus Billie Holiday, mm-hmm. they had a fake interviewer came in and he spoke mm-hmm. to Billie Holiday. Why would you sing the song? Your life would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Just, just sing the music that people like. And it's like the thing with black culture in the U.S. is they they love your style, they love your music, they love the clothes, they love the look, they don't love the people. So yeah. a lot of times it's like if I speak on the trauma that my uh, my community is going through or that the people are going through that look like me, right. um, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. But they want to, you know, hip hop is the most genre right now. 
you know, and it's a black populated genre. Right. The NBA makes bank, you know, millions of dollars are made off of black bodies, whether it's singing, dancing, doing movies. But then when they come and say, oh, well, you know, they're killing people in the streets. Oh, well, you know, all lives matter. Oh, what about black on black crime? These kind of conversations always come up. And it's like the same kind of give the same energy to other groups. Keep you that know? same energy. energy. Keep the same energy with all groups not just like the you know but that was that's my my little piece yeah i absolutely agree i absolutely agree please keep that same energy as much energy and and tenacity that you put towards wanting to copy black culture and, and things of that nature please also put that in there when the culture is being hunted and and but silenced yeah yeah, it's please keep that same energy. Yes. If you or someone you know is struggling from mental health or substance issue, you can call Sam HSA National Helpline at 1 800 662 4375. Sam HSA is a Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. This helpline provides 24-hour free and confidential treatment, referral, and information about mental and substance use disorders, prevention, and recovery in English and Spanish. So if you like what you heard on this podcast today, please look into our own Juneteenth special that we'll be having around June 14th. Um, So this podcast, we're going to be talking about Juneteenth, the history behind it, as well as what Black the black millennials as well as youth today see as in Juneteenth as well as the music yes. impact that has occurred um, regarding Juneteenth. Shameless plug, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like our content, follow our podcast, the Bi Curious Podcast. We are streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as other streaming services. Follow us on Instagram at the Bi Curious Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to follow Pepe and Ibra on Spotify, write a review on Apple Podcasts, and like, follow, and subscribe to their Facebook, the Instagram, and their YouTube channel and YouTube. And on the next episode of Pepe and Ibra, we're going to have Miss D, a music educator from Los Angeles County. Miss D will talk about her journey from growing up in East LA with a hunger to play music, traveling to China, and her desire to help students have access to music in high needed communities. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time on The Vicarious and Pepe and Ibra. We out.